podcast with me phil and me paul and on this week's show we're going to return once again to the world of the written words because we're doing a target novelization and this time it's destiny of the daleks that well-remembered story mm. oh yes okay um <laughs> i actually sort of uh, tweeted and uh put on our facebook group during the way if you remember our audio commentary you'll probably realize how this one's going to go really or maybe it won't. Who knows? Because I don't know what you're going to say, Paul. No, that makes two of us. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear! But before all before all that excitement happens, uh, let's have some news. And it's a very, very, very slow news week this week. Um, so basically, we're going to start off talking about actors that are no longer playing Doctor Who. Um, it's David Tennant uh, won an award for special recognition. Uh, the National Television Awards, uh, which was, as we recalled, it was last night because we recalled on, on the uh, on the Thursday night. Yes, he, he was. It was it was a genuine surprise to him. A bowl accounts, he didn't know he was going to get it. He was sort of uh, sort of all his friends and family were apparently in on it, and um, and the award was presented to him by the uh, well the, the proclaimers actually. Yeah, it's not well, it's, uh, fair enough. Huh? Yes, <laughs> indeed, indeed. So apparently, it says it's his fifth um, National Television Award. Uh, he got ones for Best Actor in 2006-2007, and then for Drama Performance in 2008 and 2010. Hmm. Okay, I can't remember what that was for. I'm assuming it's for Doctor Who and yeah, maybe Broad... So. Was, no, Broadchurch wasn't four years ago. No, was the first all for Doctor All for Doctor Who, Who I think so, yeah. Um, unfortunately, Doctor Who, um, in its current incarnation, uh, didn't win any awards at all. It was only up for uh, Best Drama Title. Yeah. Uh, but it lost out to Downton Abbey. Yes. Yes. There you go. Yes. Which, uh, which I, I, I don't watch Downton Abbey. I understand that didn't really have that great a season this time round. It wasn't as hasn't been as popular. No, it's, it's one of those things, isn't it? I think right now it's it's a bit of reputation there as well for it. So mm, yeah, that's it. That's it. And I, I think let's be honest. This season of uh, or series eight of Doctor Who did sort of divide the fans somewhat, didn't it? Yeah. This time round, but oh well. It should have won, not bloody Downton Scabby. So, anyway. Uh, now, uh, Series 9 news. Now, there's no spoilers here. It's just a little bit of uh, director news, really. Um, now, uh, there's a director called Daniel O'Hara, who's directed Being Human and Wizards vs. Aliens, which I've just understood hasn't been renewed for another series on on CBBC, so I've, I've also read. But apparently he's directing two episodes of Series 9, uh, which apparently has appeared on his online CV. So obviously we don't know what block, if it's this block or block two or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, but I think the most interesting one is Hetty MacDonald, uh, who we're expecting to uh, record something in block two of this series. Um, now, those who don't know her name, she directed Blink back in 2007, which yeah. is an extremely atmospheric um, episode. <laughs> Excuse me, episode. And it sort of makes you think, well, you know, it's taken them long enough to to get her back, really. Yeah, I don't understand why so long. It's one of the most highly yeah. regarded episodes since the show came back. Yeah. Uh, especially for a Doctor Light episode as well. And, um, yeah, 
it's the first time she's been back, which I find incredible, actually. But they say this is all rumour and conjecture at the moment. They reckon that the, her episode could well coincide with some of the filming that's going to due to be uh, done in Spain. Yeah, it's just, it's, it's it's just putting rumor. two rumours together. Isn't they it? have really, yeah. Really just have. run that, the two rooms together. That'll save time. <laughs> yes, indeed, indeed. Um, yeah, I think that's it. I mean, I, I think there's a little bit of writer news as well, but uh, apparently Neil Gaiman isn't going to be returning to Series 9. Um, I think he, he said he'd like to, but he's just got too many other work commitments. Uh, however, based on Nightmare in Silver, I think he should be struck off the list for good, to be honest. Yeah. Because that was pretty appalling, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. There, there, there's a there's a point where the, you, you're sort of thinking, well, you know, he's had a sh- he's he's done it, so he's had his go. go. Yeah, that's yeah. it. Yeah, he's had it. So um, now talking of uh, writing for Doctor Who, now as, as we reported um, on the show last week, Russell T Davis said he would not return uh, to Doctor Who in a writing capacity anyway, and. He was on the Graham Norton show um, advertising, or, or I say advertising, that's the wrong word for it, promoting, no, sorry. No, I think advertising is probably the right word. Yeah, really. it's probably, I should say promoting. Uh, I think advertising might be too on the nose there, actually. Yeah. Uh, yes, these new projects, Cucumber, Banana and Tofu, uh, which I think starts showing, is it next week, is it, or this week? No, it's, 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 yeah, it's, it's as we're recording on the Thursday, now. It's now, all oh, right, okay, <laughs> yeah. okay. Um, yeah, he was on the Graham Norton show, and obviously the, the subject of Doctor Who came up. And apparently he was asked about uh, a Doctor Who film. And his reply was, I think it should be in cinemas immediately. It would be glorious. Imagine queuing up at the cinema to go and see a Doctor Who film. Uh, well, we sort of have really, haven't we? Yeah. Yeah, we've already done that. Um, so he was asked, would he be interested in writing it? And he said, yes, please. If we could get the lawyers and contracts flying now, you know, I would do that because I think there's a big leap to be made. I think this is just a little bit of... Uh, banter in the interview actually is it anything yeah. serious in this is there really yeah this is this, this is this is him promoting yes and it's, it's it's something that he knows will get him then reported which will then get in there because they'd be saying he was there talking about his new shows yes so it gets them promotion so indeed there indeed go. so there you are folks i don't think there's anything to be said about this whatsoever no um so if if that Doctor Who film comes out in two years, well, that told us then, didn't it? Yes. <laughs> You're written by Russell T. Davis as well. <laughs> oh, dear. Well, it will depend on how well his new <laughs> shows go down, I suppose. <laughs> oh, dear. Right, well, that's it for the news. But fortunately, Paul has been trawling the internet, and luckily we've got some time to go to Omega's Tech Corner. You pester me with trinkets! Now, um... When I say true on the internet, it makes a change from, from your usual porn that you're looking at. You actually found some tat for us to look at this week, didn't you? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I can tell you now, Mike. It's the only thing that saved my eyesight this week. <laughs> well, I'm actually, I'm actually doing this in Braille, so... <laughs> now, um, there's already been some sort of Series 8 um, action figures that came out um, last year. Uh, but um, well, I say it's only really sort of like the, the regenerated Doctor, really, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, to be honest, but uh, coming up very sort of in the next couple of months, actually, um, is some new uh, figures, but only in the three point five inch tall uh, range. I don't know why they've done away with the original range. I've got still got no idea because it now means my collection of Doctors is incomplete. God damn it! But anyway, uh, coming up first in February. 
Uh, we've got The Foretold Mummy from um, Mummy on the Orient Express. Or as this website says, Murder on the Orient Express. <laughs> it's always handy. Yes. <laughs> yeah, um, it's not a bad-looking figure, actually, is it? It's no, fa- it, uh, yeah, I think that actually that is not a bad... No, it, it's fairly truthful to what we saw on the screen, to be honest, to be perfectly fair. Uh, we've got no price on this yet. It's just sort of like a, a, um, a release date yeah. at the moment. Um, but next, and I must admit, when I'm looking at the pictures, the Clara in the background is just so awful. It's awful, isn't it? It's absolutely awful. There's absolutely no pretense <laughs> at making it even look remotely like Jenna Coleman, is there? It's... Um, <laughs> Um, but talking of um, not <laughs> no your pretense. figures look look yeah looking anything remotely like the actor it's it's modelled on. Uh, there's two uh, Peter Capaldi figures coming out as well. Um, first one in February. It's a caretaker mm. uh, figure, <laughs> uh, and the next one is uh, the Twelfth Doctor in the spacesuit um, from Kill the Moon, and that one will be released in March 2015. However, uh, as with the um, the 11th Doctor costume with the 12th Doctor sort of head on it, the regenerated 12th Doctor, as I should, I should have just said, really. Um, we always reckon he looked like Den Hegarty out of darts, didn't we? Yes. Well, they've actually um, changed that design now, haven't they? Yes. Because we... <laughs> they've kept it in the 70s, haven't they? They have very much kept it in the 70s. Now, this is one for the kids, um, and, and um, you know, you'll get this. He now actually looks like um, a, new, a BBC newsreader from the 1970s called Peter Woods. Um, now, it only, that name only means someone to a, a people of a certain age group, um, meaning us, <laughs> us and us. above, really. Um, Which is you got the immediate reaction from me when you said that, didn't you? <laughs> yes, because before we started recording, I said, um, I said looking at the, at the the links you sent me, I said, um, do you remember the newsreader of Peter Woods? And immediately, you burst out laughing, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> I've been trying to work out since I saw it who he looks like. <laughs> Yeah, it doesn't look anything remotely like Capaldi at all, does it? No. It's probably one of the worst likenesses I've ever seen on an action figure. That re- Apart from the one they did of uh, Arthur Darville, that was pretty bad as well. Um, it's appalling. <laughs> it is absolutely appalling. It's terrible. Yeah, what I'm going to do, I'm going to put up... Um, I'm going to put up the the, the uh, pictures of the, the the Capaldi figures and also um, a photograph of Peter Woods for everyone to uh, <laughs> compare and contrast. <laughs> You're going to take the one off your bedside table and put it up. <laughs> My signed photo, of Peter Woods. Actually, people might know him from um, if they're fans of Morecambe and Wise. He was he took part in one of the big musical extravagance they did. It was the South Pacific one, mm. where they said there's nothing like a dame. He's the bloke who comes on at the end and sings in a really deep voice. So that's Peter Woods. So, which I think was the next guardsman, wasn't he, or something? I, I, I don't, I don't I, know his so, career. So I, so I understand. He was an ex-guardsman. Because uh, um, he was quite a tall chap. So, so I understand. But uh, there you go. However, now we've saved the best tattoo last, though, haven't we? We really we have. have. Well, we really have, because um, this is more kitchen tat. We're back in the kitchen. We're this back is where, in the where kitchen. we like to be. <laughs> now, um, yes, have you ever wanted Doctor Who TARDIS tongs? I can't say I have, to be honest, but um, yes. Um, <laughs> it, 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 it's mm. just that, obviously, that thing that you, you know makes sense. <laughs> yes. Um, it doesn't really, does it? <laughs> 
It doesn't make bloody sense whatsoever. Um, Yes, these are just basically kitchen tongs, and the bit at the end are shaped like the TARDIS. Well, they're not not even shaped like the TARDIS, though. They're they're shaped like tongs. Yeah. (laughs) Cut, painted like the TARDIS. Yes, they're blue with the TARDIS doors printed on them. That's it, really. And just so you know what they're... um, what they're actually for there's a nice ha- handy um handy photograph of someone turn over a chicken breast in a frying pan yes just to like let you know what, what it's actually for um and obviously there's a little bit of blurb that goes with this it says travel through time and space for the doctor and his brilliant tardis tongs a truly cool kitchen accessory for any foodie hoovian fish fingers and custard anyone yeah okay um now these are available to pre-order they will be in the forbidden planet naturally um warehouse on thursday the 30th of april and they are retailing at eight pounds 99 which is a saving of 18 yeah, percent already before before they're even available yes they've been downpriced. <laughs> yeah okay now um there's another bit of kitchen tack coming up now they should use that same chicken breast actually for this shouldn't they <laughs> rather, yeah well rather, i mean it, a, a, a couple of peppers it depends, I suppose, whether they're going to wash the, the this first, doesn't it? I mean, you don't really want to be contaminating your <laughs> your chicken with your peppers, really. Well, if you? you believe this, Paul, it won't, will it? <laughs> it won't. It no, won't, because this right. is a Doctor Who TARDIS chopping board. Woohoo! Uh, this is also due in the Forbidden uh, Planet Warehouse on Thursday, the 30th of April, and this also retails at the price of £8.99, which has got another saving of 18%. I've worked that percentage out and they're going to use it. Oh, God damn it. Yes, they are. Uh, yes, it's a rectangular chopping board painted blue, with, again, with the TARDIS doors printed on it. That's it. It looks, it matches your tongs at least, wouldn't it? Well, I mean, at least at least it is is, is rectangular shaped yes. as opposed to the tongs, which weren't. No, exactly. Um, now, of course, there's a little bit of accompanying blurb with this one as well. And it says, travel through time and space with the Doctor and his excellent TARDIS chopping board. Yes, there's a kitchen on the TARDIS. The height of Gallifrey cutting surface technology inspired by the TARDIS. This chopping board won't blunt your noise because it actually reverses time to just before the initial cut. Don't ask us how. The science is all wibbly-wobbly, timey-wimey. Yes, I think there's going to be a lot of people taking it these back to the Forbidden Planet under the Trace Descriptions Act. <laughs> it's getting oh, quite nice. <laughs> um... Yeah, I think Tat has reached the new Nadir now, really, hasn't it? Or uh, not Nadir? I like, could um, have put it a low, a, a low point of crapness. I think is, is probably... oh, yeah, yeah. But where would we be without it? Oh, I know. It keeps this podcast going, doesn't it? I swear, people... <laughs> I was going to say we say this, <laughs> yeah. And yet the weeks when we say we have no Tat, it's just like no, we have no Tat. Yeah, I know. But when we do, we get terribly excited about. It. <laughs> I think it's actually, I think it's us and the Faros Project keep these tap blokes in business. <laughs> it is only us that is. It is. <laughs> but we don't even buy it. No, that's the we thing. don't. That's the thing. I do actually treat it with the contempt it deserves. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't fall into the tap. It's sort of like, I hate this tap, but I have to buy it. No, I, I don't buy it because it is, it is rubbish. It's absolute rubbish. Um, yeah, okay. I'm sure it makes someone happy. I do actually need to get some more kitchen tongs, but <laughs> even I'm not going to go there. No, no, um, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Oh, there. Right. Well, that's it for Tat. That's it for the news this week. Um, yes, it's a very, very short section, which we managed to pad out quite successfully, actually, I think you'll find. I'm talking about news readers from the 70s. <laughs> right. OK, then. So coming up next is our little review of the TARDIS novel. TARDIS novelisation? The Target novelisation. <laughs> I've got chopping balls on the brain now. Um, the tar- yes, there's a novelisation in the TARDIS. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the target novelisation of Destiny of the Daleks. So for another week then, that was the news. Okay, everybody, it's target time. And as we've been plugging away all the way through this podcast so far, we are doing Destiny of the Daleks this time. So it's my turn to go first, isn't it? Yes, it yes, is. Yes, it is. It is. It is. Okay. Um, I'm not a fan of Destiny of the Daleks um, because I, I don't like the the actual story itself. And I know this is heresy amongst a lot of people. Um, I don't like Douglas Adams' little um, additions to the script, the, you know, the 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 comedy and and all that. Um, so usually, with books, tend to address the things that are wrong with the TV serial. And um, try and sort of put things right or explain things a bit better. This book does none of that at all, does it? It doesn't vary a lot. It doesn't. Um, But... There is a reason for this, though, isn't there? But do you want me to just interject now? Go for it. And say, I actually enjoyed the book. You're joking. I thought it was one of the most... Which... I I don't know, I think it's one of the most blandest um, reads I've had so far. It really is. Um, It's... It's... it's yeah, go on, go on. I think I actually enjoyed the story, actually. I think the story's a good story there. So, which makes me wonder what quite doesn't work with it as a TV programme. And I just wonder whether it's A, that I'm not a great fan of Lala Ward. Right, okay. B, um, I have nothing but contempt, really, for the uh, designer <laughs> of the costumes in this. <laughs> I think the actors did it all, actually. And I don't think particularly the acting was that great from uh, most of the people other than Tim Barlow. <laughs> yes, yes, indeed, indeed. Yeah, I, I just think it, it's, it literally is just a, a, almost a direct translation of what you saw on the screen. There's hardly anything padded out. Um, yeah. But we just discussed this before uh, we start recording, and there's a very good reason for this, because this is actually the one of the quickest novelizations of the book range, isn't it? Yeah, they tried to actually get it out at the same time as the program was uh, transmitted. So it was going to supposed to come out the same sort of week as such, which they wasn't able to do. But no, it was written from the rehearsal scripts, wasn't it? Yeah. So it actually was released two months after the original transmission. Um, and it shows, doesn't it? Because there is hardly any descriptive writing in this yeah. at all, is there? It, it was a big mistake to uh, to, to re- release it that quickly, I feel. I mean, it had almost been better if the book had come out first and let and let Terence Dix do the um, descriptions of, of what everything was. Yes. <laughs> and yes. then try and match it, I think. Well, yeah, I think this is probably one of his wor- well, the worst ones we've covered so far because usually Terence Dix does a bloody good job of... Um, explain some of the weaker aspects um, of a of a Doctor Who script, and also some things they couldn't possibly achieve with the budget. 
So obviously yeah. in, in the written words, you, you can let your imagination run run wild, but he does it within the constraints of what you saw on television. He just sort of makes it sound a, sound a look a bit more excited in your mind's eye. There's nothing like this at all here, is there? No, I mean, there, there's bits in this. I mean, the, the one thing the book does is, is give it a bit more uh, space. It's, you feel it's a bigger planet in the book than you get on the screen, which is obvious, <laughs> for obvious reasons, the fact that they only had a short space in which to film in before something from the 70s would loom into shot, I wouldn't have thought. Yes, I think um, so, yeah. But yeah, I mean, like, <laughs> the scene that reminds me in the book where the Doctor, they come across the burial party and the Doctor goes to look at the body that's been buried mm. and leaves Romana behind, which is then, which is in the book quite a way he has to go yeah, to, 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 to get to the the body and she's just hiding whereas in the book she almost just has to turn her back on him on the TV she almost just turns her back on him indeed and you, and you, can, and then gets and you can hear the, yeah you can hear Tom Baker creeping up behind and she's shocked yeah. and surprised yeah, yeah exactly yeah she's still shocked and surprised and he's, he, she knows he's there because <laughs> that's where he's been all along I'm beginning to wonder if this is going to turn into a more, of, more of a character assassination of the TV series rather than the book here, to be honest yeah. I, it's very very I, difficult because they're so similar that's the problem. They're just far but, too similar. But this is this is why. I mean, actually, I mean, like I said, I actually quite like it as a story. Um, there's, it's it's a good idea, I think, in terms of what it's trying to do, and for why it's trying to do it. Um, and obviously, I mean, I was going to say, obviously, there's going to be spoilers in this, but if you haven't, but actually, to be honest, to a lot of extent, the BBC, in their usual way, spoiled this. This actually story should have two really good reveals in it. Mm. One that there's Daleks involved. Yeah. Um, but that's sort of killed totally by A the title. <laughs> and yeah. even in the book, the chapter in which the Daleks appear right at the end is called Daleks. <laughs> <laughs> so oh good. There's no There's no hide in it, is there? No, there's no, no, there's no, no subterfuge or anything. The one thing is you do get the feeling that Terence Dix really did want to keep it as a as a as a guessing game and was sort of whether he had any choice on that title of the that bit there because he actually moves the um, reveal of the fact that it's Scaro. Yes, now he he does make certain changes and, and tries to explain some things, but it's 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 lost in the blandness as far as I'm concerned. Um, obviously, because in, in the TV show, it's almost as soon as the Doctor asks where is he yeah. to the Mavellans, they tell him. Yeah, basically, yeah. But in the book, it's quite a bit further on. Well, sh- should we go through the other things that he did attempt to try and change in the book? Because yeah. I think, I mean, first off, there was the whole uh, Romana regeneration yeah. thing, which he does try to explain that um, because Romana scored higher than the Doctor at the at the uh, at the Academy. She had she she could she was able to master regeneration better than he because it was always a bit of a haphazard affair. Where because she was a bit more she could control it, she could pick who she wanted to be. So yeah. he, he does try to. That still doesn't make a lot of sense, but he does try to um, explain that whole little skit at the beginning. And that's very very Douglas Adams. I can't imagine Terry Nation actually wrote that bit. No. Um, which is which is why I'm not because I'm just not a fan of Douglas Adams. I'm sorry. I'm I'm just not. I I just find him overrated. I really, I'm sorry, the, I'm, the, I'm committing only, heresy. Only, I know, but the only advantage of that whole scene, yeah, is is when she comes with the comes out as the belly dancer. I said the, <laughs> the big boobs. Yeah, 
Collins, which, yeah. Uh, Not today, thank you. <laughs> sorry. Yeah, yeah. Is, that is just the only saving grace on that old yeah. There goes our female listenership. You spoke about the woman with the big boobs, and I called her a bird as well. <laughs> but it's not the woman, it's, it's Tom Baker's. It's that term. Not today. I was thank thinking you. about the big boobs, I'm sorry. Oh. <laughs> my, my, well, there we go. That's the difference between us. <laughs> That's what his story needed more boobs. <laughs> oh, dear. Topless Daleks is what we wanted. Oh, <laughs> you had Davros. Does that count? <laughs> Oh dear! Oh, I mean, and get, oh, getting God. back to actually what I was going to say, and the other big reveal is Davros himself, mm. which it should is is quite. I mean, is is quite kept as quiet to the. Well, that that's. I mean, that's not much different to the to the TV version, is it? Because no. the Doctor never says it's Davros we're looking for. He no. just says, I'll tell you when when we find him. Yeah, it's it. He really says, isn't he? Yeah. Um. So there's a bit of a guessing game. Sort of kept going there, isn't there? Which he which he does in the in the book. But even I don't, what's the other one? The little changes he, he did as well. Um, oh, that was it. When the doctors um, sort of, I think he's trying to get back to the Mavellan ship, and he finds a, a Dalek mutant. Yeah. Um, on the grounds now in the TV show, it's just it's just a big lump of silly putty, isn't it? Yeah. Which he then casually throws it. He kills it. He throws it against the the the, the cliff face, and you start noise. But in the book, he's hiding, isn't he? He's trying to duck down, and it starts crawling up his arm. Yeah. And then when he's sort of the, the whatever, I think he's hiding from a Dalek or something, or a Mavellan or something. And yeah, he can't move, can he? He can't move, that... yeah. So this is crawling up his arm. But in, in the book, he gently puts it down, which I think, was that sort of some of the sort of things that Terence Dix was sort of very, very keen on when he was scripted, that the Doctor must never really just kill out offhand like that. But, which I think, he's, he, which he kept in the book. And I think it's actually... Okay, probably in the TV show. Maybe this was in the working script that he that it was meant to crawl up the Doctor's arm, and they just couldn't get it to do anything realistically yeah. with it. Yeah, yeah exactly. Maybe. Yeah, just a big blob of silly putty. So um, he made a change there. But the, I think the one of the most interesting things in this he does, which makes you wonder whether this, this was actually introduced after um, the, the initial scripts are written, is the whole uh, Daleks being pure robots. Because he, he downplays that quite a bit in the book, and it's it's all more to do with their rival battle computers. Yeah, he puts that, it more yeah to the yeah. computer rather than the Daleks themselves. Yeah, he doesn't. Yeah, there's not the, such the two robot races, is it? It's it's the two battle computers. Yeah, that have locked, and you they would need him. Daleks need Devros to. Uh, reprogram their computer, and the Mavellans want the Doctor re- to reprogram their computer. Yeah, that's it. So, I mean, that that makes more sense. Um, yeah, and it does make you wonder. I, I, I don't actually know without going into the actual history um, of, of of the writing of this uh, particular story, but um, whether that was a Terry Nation idea or whether it was Douglas Adams' idea to have the whole the Daleks and our robots, because I can't imagine. Terry Nation would have done that. No, because yeah, because they're his creation, aren't they? So yeah, famously. Um, so yeah, yeah, you'd you'd have thought if anyone was going to st- stick to their story, it'd have been him. Yeah, because so I think um, actually, I'm looking at the wiki page and it says uh, apparently on the DVD commentary that uh, Adams wrote 98 percent of that script. Yeah. So yeah, possibly 
well, I'm going to say definitely it was Douglas Evans who did it. For what reason, I don't know. That was always the that was always the one of the the, the biggest sort of talking points of I think of the Daleks. There was something living inside it. Yeah, and they, and they did away with it for some reason, best known to Douglas Evans or, or possibly Terry Nation. I, I don't know, but yeah, I yeah. really don't they, know. They they they'd lost emotion, but not. Yeah, they haven't replaced themselves as. Yeah, they're like, they're like Cybermen, are they? No. So yeah, I never quite, never really understood that. But at least, I mean, he he does downplay that in the book, which is one of the one of the better aspects, I, I, I think. Um, but there's just sort of silly little things he he probably could have. You know, if if I was right, this would have done done away with like the the canine laryngitis thing, which is just ridiculous. Really, it, it's another bit of frivolous comedy that doesn't make a lick of sense. No, how would a robot get laryngitis? No, I, su- I suppose to a certain extent he he is trapped in the sense that he's got to put some reasonably key scenes in, and they the, the reason basically they gave canine problem was. The fact that they just couldn't face trying to drag him across the quarry, could they? No, that's it. That's it. <laughs> so, yeah. So I suppose then you still had to have the same thing, and the fact that Romana has to go off to see if she can get K nine. So you still have to have some reason why K nine is indisposed. So why bother really changing it? I suppose. Yeah, I suppose so. But I just think I just think the whole laryngitis things are very. They, he very... he didn't he didn't try and make he didn't make K nine say anything though, did he in the book? No, he didn't. No, he, he he basically almost sort of just says, "Canine's uh, temporary <laughs> got a problem," doesn't he? Yeah, that's it. That's he, it. You do. You don't get the um, the joke sort of cough and whatever. No, no. Th- thankfully, that's that's disposed of. Thank God. Yeah. Um, well, a little change. Oh, the other bit when the doctor's trapped under that uh, pillar, and he starts reading the book. Um, Terence Dix explains that the book's actually written by a Time Lord, uh, who's never really been anywhere. So that's yeah. why the Doctor's scoffing at a lot of the that this one particular planet couldn't support any habitable life, and he's sort of like saying, "Well, it's actually it is the planet a lot is itself is alive, and it's just formed a, a hard, crusty shell around it." Oh, echoes of Kill the Moon there, I think you find. Um, yeah, so and that- actually of. Um- Probably even more so of the doctor's wife and the house. Yes, yes, indeed. Yes, that's probably better than kill. That's much better than kill the moon. That's a much better um, analogy. Yes, yeah, I completely forgot about that one. Completely forgot about it. But um, but I think that the the one noticeable thing in this is there is no description whatsoever of the Mavellans, is there? No, absolutely none. Um. Which, Just that they're a strikingly good-looking race. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which I suppose there was no description there because it was taking it from the very early shooting scripts and they probably hadn't actually... Seen what the seen... designer had come up with. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I think that in that respect it works in its favour, doesn't it? But It does, yeah. But I, th- I think the, the problem with this, though, because the Destiny of the Daleks is, is so well-known, A, because of the stupid Mavellan costumes... Uh, yeah. B because of the um, the shabbiness of the Dalek props, because they yeah. were literally falling apart, weren't they? And they were, you could see where they patched them up. And um, C, uh, the Davros costume didn't fit David Goodison. No, so this, think, is, this, think, is, this is this is this is this is where the book wins hand down because the exchanges between the Doctor and Davros, I've sort of got a a mixture of 
Michael Wisher and Julian Bleach as Davros. Yes. In my head when those scenes are taking place. Yeah. And they're a lot better, I can tell you. Yes, they are. I've sort of, I, I don't mind Terry Malloy, um, but only when he's not shouting too much. Yeah. Um, yeah but, but, I, but, in, I, but in this scene, I mean, Davros isn't, is he? I mean, this is the, this is, this should really be the Davros of um, Genesis of the Daleks, shouldn't it? Well, it's, it's just unfortunate Michael Wisher wasn't available. Um, yeah. I mean, David Goodison, he does a good impression of Michael Wisher. But for some reason, they don't modulate his voice enough. No. So when you're reading it, as you say, you are hearing it in Michael Wisher's voice, aren't yeah. you? You are. Um, which is no bad thing, to be honest. No. And, and some of the the uh, yeah, some of the dialogue between the two is good. Yeah. Yeah, probably. But, oh, but yeah, yeah, it... yeah, and the stuff about, you know, that death's not a... Um, I can't remember now exactly the words, but you know it's the sort of it's, it's something that I it's, it's a gift I will give to you, gladly, yes, Doctor. Isn't that's it? right. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's also more made out. I mean, he does try and sort of describe that that bit where um, the Doctor and Davros are holed up in that um, in that room whilst uh, uh, what's his name? Is it Tyson and uh, Romana? Yeah, a run back to the uh, Mavellan ship. Um, the, the room is sort of given um, it, it feels larger doesn't it yeah and it's also in darkness because the other thing about this as well they've the one thing about the TV um, serial is that when they go down into that that bit where um, Davros is it's all brightly lit the Daleks yeah. haven't actually got there yet so who put the lamps down there so in the book the Doctor lights up a torch to find his way um, and when the, the Daleks are sort of they have to drill down don't they to get to to where Davros is, um, and they come down on like hover discs, don't they? Yeah. To get to him, whereas in the TV they just sort of walk through the front door, which they couldn't do previously. Um, never quite understood that, but um, yeah, he did, did sort of try to address the fact of how were they? If they was drilling straight down, how was they dropping down levels? Yeah, that's it. That's, and also, actually, the the one thing in this is he does actually address the fact that 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 they. Are when they're running with Davros, they are trying to escape upwards. Yes, um, and you get the thing about the Doctor seems to know where he's going, and then they realise that he's actually not. He's just actually following what seems to be whichever it, path seems to go up. Exactly. Yeah, which so, sort of does get you to that point. But whereas in the on the TV, you're sort of watching it. You know they're supposed to be the Daleks have been drilling down for years to get to him. Yeah. And all of a sudden, they're in a room with a window. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, there's, there's so many plot holes in this. And I think, I but, don't think but that really is one was... thing where you, you do seem to have the. They, they say about they, they ran for, for ages always trying to go up, doesn't yeah. he? Yeah. Which sort of. Makes gets sense, you, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Which then gets you to that room, and then suddenly, oh, the fact there's a window there now makes sense. Yeah, but in the t- TV show, that it's just they're on f- perfectly flat level, aren't they? <laughs> they? They seem to go down two corridors, and suddenly they're in a they've got a view, which is really nice. Oh dear, yeah, it's um, yeah. I, I I think that I think that's probably my main problem. This because he doesn't do a lot to dispel the shabby feel of the, of the TV show um, out of my mind. This is why I don't enjoy this because there's so much wrong with this particular production. That, yeah. that should be put right in the novelisation because he wasn't given the time to do that. Um, that's why I didn't enjoy this read at all. No, I mean, I actually, I, I did from the point of view that I actually started sitting there and thinking, so, 
actually, looking through this story, what is what about the story? Would don't I like? If you totally individual, if you totally try to blank out the TV series and how everything looked in the TV series, yeah, I think it's an enjoyable story. Mm-hmm. I think it's an enjoyable idea. Perhaps not quite fleshed out enough. Yeah, I think the ideas with okay. not enough with not enough in the book doesn't have enough description. The TV just has too much. It does. Try, um, it's trying to do too much with with visuals in I, terms of how things look, yeah, uh, how I, I, the Movellans look and whatever. Yeah, exactly. I think the other I think the other problem for me as well is the fact that obviously this is the point in the show's history where Tom Baker was just having too much fun. Yeah, really, and he wanted to play up the comedy side of things. So if you, it's the same when you watch when you watch early Tom Baker compared to the later series, and also it's the same when you're reading them as well. Because I mean, I'll go back to the first the Target novel we we covered, which was uh, Pyramids of Mars, and you read that it's a very very serious Doctor, and this is like a completely different character. Now, even like reading it, you, it's like, well, is this the fourth Doctor? If you know, you're you're, look, you're reading Tom Baker. You're not reading the Fourth Doctor, and I think that's one of the one of the my other issues with it. Because th- the one the one good serious note on that is is actually uh, when he has to make the, when he gets out from the being holed up with Davros mm. and uses the screwdriver to set the bomb off. Yeah, and you just get that moment there where he still can I do this? Yeah, and realizes no, I've got to. Yeah, because it- I can't make that mistake twice. Yeah, he does play up the whole uh, what happened in Genesis of the Daleks, where he, he didn't. Yeah. He, he by this point he sort of regretted not taking that chance. Yeah. To, to you know to destroy them. So yeah, I mean, he does try. He does try, but it's it's not very successful though. And I'm, I don't really, I can't really blame Terence Dix for this because he wasn't given a no. lot of time, was he? No. No, I, I, I suspect actually had Terence Dix seen this episode as it was, yeah, I suspect he would have rewritten quite a bit of it to try to make up for it. Uh yes, I, I don't think he probably realised just how bad this was going to look on the screen. No, I don't think so. I don't and think so, so. I, so, and so I think he just decided this was a reasonable story, and I'll just leave it at that. It's almost, it's almost like a very, very. Um... And I, I know some people have accused him of being a bit of a journeyman writer, but they always asked him was to translate what was on screen into into a very short, basically children's books, aren't they? Really? Yeah, I mean, but no. But uh, what what he usually does well is he he basically script edits them. Yeah, he corrects the mistakes and fills in the blanks where he can. Um, he just I just don't think he had I, a enough time to do that on this, and b. Just probably, probably because he didn't want to to go too much against what may well be what happens in the series in the t- in the actual TV one because he couldn't see what was going to be happening in that. Yeah, yeah. He just decided to leave it slightly bland. You don't get descriptions. One of the things he does do well in books is describe stuff. Exactly. This is what is seriously lacking in. And, this and book. as you say, we really get very little description of the Mavellans. Mm. As if. Because he obviously didn't know what they was going to look like, and didn't then want to go against to create something that was totally different to the TV. Yeah, that's it. That's absolutely it. So yeah, I think I think we just sort of hit the nail on the head there. Really, just the fact that he he wasn't able to see the finished result, and it and it resulted in this 
to my mind, a bland book. But you say, for your mind, an enjoyable book. Um, to my mind, a very bland adaptation. Yeah, it, 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 I, I, I'm not sure necessarily it, it, it's, a, it's a good book. I think it's a good story that's lurking within yes. <laughs> the problems of this <laughs> this this series. Um, yeah, but actually could have been turned into a really good story. Could have been. It could have been. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Okay. Should we leave that there? I think so. I think we just about covered every aspect because there isn't a lot to discuss, really. Um, we, we, I think we sort of tend to go over the same points, actually. But, <laughs> but points well made and they're needed making, I think. Um, I mean, no, no comment on... Yeah, because we're doing the book. I've got no comment on David Yip's acting in this. <laughs> no, none whatsoever. <laughs> okay, everybody. So that's that for this week. Uh, next week is a break week. So we'll be back in two weeks' time. Uh, when we do return, we'll um, have something a little bit. Hopefully, have something a little bit special uh, coming up. Is it something we, um, something out of the ordinary, we should be doing? So um, more on that we'll, we'll announce on Facebook and on Twitter. So because we we should have um, a, a special guest with us if everything goes to plan. So if not, it'd be more of this. <laughs> <laughs> As a runner-up. Here's what you could have won. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> so we'll, we'll keep you guessing for, for a while longer, yeah, anyway, till we've uh, actually sort of uh, confirmed what's that going on. Okay, then, folks, so um, we'll be back in two weeks' time in, in some form, but hopefully in a special in a special edition. So until then, it is goodbye from me, Phil. And goodbye from me, Paul. Goodbye. Listening to the Who's He podcast. Please visit our website at who's he-podcast.co.uk. You can also follow us on Twitter at who's underscore he underscore podcast. And please also join the Who's He podcast Facebook group. The Who's He podcast is a member of the Doctor Who Podcast Alliance.